Welcome to the Kayak Bass Nation audio podcast. We go live every Monday night, talk all things kayak bass fishing across multiple platforms. But we don't get to talk directly to you folks, the audio podcast listeners. Uh, wherever you're listening to us from, whatever platform you use, we want to say we appreciate you guys downloading the show, listening to it while you're driving, working out, or whatever the case may be. If you have the time, take a second and leave us a review. Give us a follow, a subscribe, whatever your platform allows. And once again, thank you for spending a little time with us on the KBN Live replay. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to KBN Live. What's going on, Ryan? Oh, down here in Atlanta trying to survive, my friend. Yeah, man. Uh, as people start sliding in here from Facebook and YouTube, help us out. Uh, give this stream a share on Facebook. Tell us where you're watching from on YouTube and like. Make sure you like the stream on YouTube. I think we're going to do a giveaway tonight, huh, Ryan? Let's do that. Let's do it. The first supporter? one. Yeah. The first one. The first Z-Man giveaway. Z-Man. Look at there. I got a Z-Man Come picture. on with it. Z-Man fishing giveaway. What are, we, what are we giving away tonight? Uh, You'll get a bait package from Z-Man. Joey is going to put together a uh, lovely packaged gift for you guys so like and share get that out there and uh, i'll send your info over to joey and he will have something sent to your home there we go guaranteed uh, to catch fish anywhere you go anywhere you go Sometimes. so z-man giveaway tonight uh, i'll put some more details on the screen as we get going but ryan it was good to see you this weekend man fishing was wasn't the briefly. best for for me for sure i know you wanted to do well, better on your home it, wasn't for, it wasn't for me either uh to be honest <laughs> Oh, what a time. What a time to be alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tonight, our guest had a hell of a day. He's a he relatively new kayak angler, but he is now a champion kayak angler. Uh, <laughs> he is great. now. Damn. Greg DePaul, that didn't take long, did it? Yeah. yeah he, he, Wouldn't even get the water off his ears. Yeah. We're going to talk to him here in a little bit about how that went down and what he thinks of the, the entire uh, deal with kayak fishing, you know, going to his first Bassmaster Kayak Series event and went in the thing what he thought about the organization the, the media coverage the the kayak anglers in general we'll get we'll get into all that but well done there but what do you think of the event overall man 235 people i mean big time turnout steve-o it was huge i mean i think you know as far as bass being back um the first event on logan martin for bass in the kayak series was was a huge response you know i think a lot of people were excited for it and I think it tapered off after that. I think, you know, it, it was kind of on a on a downhill slide. Some moves needed to be made, some changes uh, in leadership. And I think they made the right ones, man. Uh, you know, you saw all these people show up. Steve-O obviously cares an immense amount about the sport and also the anglers. I think that was reflected very well uh, with this event. I think it went, went off without a hitch. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people had a really good time, it seemed like. Yeah. Man, when I rolled into the check-in and pulled it, you know, the parking lot was kind of down a hill a little bit at that uh, church there where the check-in was. And it kind of hit me. I mean, 200 people, you know that's a lot of people. I've been to events with that many people before, but you pull down there to the check-in and you just see a sea of kayaks in the parking lot. Walking to the church, there's a line wrapping around like it's election day in there. Uh, it was a wild scene, man. It was. <laughs> I just saw Ryan Thompson's comment. Bridesmaid checking in. <laughs> Bridesmaid checking in. We could add him in here too, I guess. He's Mr. just he's uh, just making sure around. just just in case GDP catches a, a DQ tonight on the show, <laughs> he, he <laughs> could step up and fill in for it. Good looking yeah, out, man. Ryan. Good looking out. Yeah. 
Uh, we can talk about our events if we want, or we can just get in straight into to some of the things that happened in the event. I mean, I'll tell you this. Feel free. Yeah, man. I, I didn't get, I came in in the stormy weather on Friday, drove around, looked at a bunch of ramps. I decided to make the wise, un, not so wise decision to launch at a place that was on the approved launch list, but not very many people could launch there to get away from people. And not only did I get away from people, but I got away from fish because I, I got one bite all day so in that little area. I, I do want to touch on that. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I honestly would have forgotten it. I think some of those launches, like that place that you're referring to, I think maybe, <laughs> maybe some of those, like we don't have to try to put every launch on the list. Like just because one car can fit in it and it's public maybe maybe that shouldn't be on a launch list and i know some of the the florida you know they have these private areas that are campgrounds and whatnot some of those kind of got overflowed with with folks down at the harris chain trying to launch there and they actually backed out of being an approved launched on their own so i think uh you know this is going to be obviously a growing process as it's not been a part of of kayak fishing up until now so i think uh you know I think that may be something to take into consideration, the amount of people that a certain launch can hold. We don't have to put every little backwoods launch on there. What I think is Steve put it in there to trick somebody, and he got me. <laughs> he that's got what he, you. That's what he, he did. did. He got me. That, the water in there was 57 degrees. Apparently, that was cold compared to everywhere else. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Joe anyway. Kirk said thanks for the strap. He told me a story about him pulling up on your strap that was attached to your wheel to, to get out of, uh, yes. out of the water there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe, if he caught a fish in there, then we're, we're going to fight later because I sure uh -oh. uh -oh. I, caught, I caught one. I caught, I caught one, which is better than none. Fierce out here. Um, I had a little mud on my, my starting spot. This is usually a creek that doesn't, doesn't get a, a push of, of mud or dirty water in on it. And it was a great, great little saddle <laughs> down south. And, buddy, it had a mud line about 200 yards behind me. And it didn't really occur to me till an hour in when I hadn't gotten bit. And I looked back and all the loons were like stacked up on the mud line. I was like, uh, okay. All right. That's fair. It's time to go. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously the second spot I moved to wasn't, uh, <laughs> wasn't a lot of room for, for playing around there. So yeah, it was, a, I, it was a rough little deal. I tell you this, if you were on them, you were on them because I mean, 200 anglers, 1500 fish put into the oh, system yeah. i mean there were some folks just literally wailing i saw marty hughes who was our guest not long ago talk about he had i think 27 fish day one within just a matter of a couple of hours and was culling fishing around a lot of people so if you were on them you were on them uh you know you just had to be in the right area i mean marty put i think he had the first limit up didn't he it was like hell 15 minutes in or something he already yeah. had a limit up that's pretty solid yeah and segue cody milton had a fast limit too if i understood he did. right but we can talk about Cody and some of the other folks, if you'd like, with the DQ problem that happened. So there were some anglers that were, you know, on up there on the leaderboard that at the end of day one, you saw removed from the leaderboard. Uh, they were DQ'd. Um, I, there's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of messaging on why they were DQ'd. Uh, I was actually on the phone with Christine, <laughs> and she's like, wow, you know. It was just lines out two minutes ago. This is like 2.32. And I was like, yeah, uh, lines out was at 2. So, <laughs> so it wasn't at 2.32, in fact. And she's like, are you kidding? She's like, everybody at our ramp said it was 2.30. And I was like, nah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was 2. So 
Uh, Cody Milton was at her ramp, and he self-reported. Christine self-reported on their own, and Justin Patrick also self-reported and, and DQ'd themselves on their own accord uh, for fishing pass lines out. A lot of all of these new rules, and Greg can kind of give us some insight as to what it's like on the pro side, but a lot of this stuff is kind of built around a self-policing honesty aspect of it. You know, I mean, if if you do something wrong, it's kind of encouraged on your end to just step up and be like, hey, you know, I broke a rule. Always reach out to the TD. If there's ever a question, always reach out to the TD. Um, but like in the pros, I know MLF, like if they hear a, if somebody comes up in a tackle shop and says, hey, the fish are biting on this down here. It's up to them to call the TD and tell them what information was heard. And then the TD makes the determination on, you know, kind of what the punishment or what the following actions are. And I think that's something we're going to have to learn that we haven't been used to on the kayak side moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hated to see that because I know Christine was on some a little something. She had a solid day one and was looking forward to day two. Cody was way up there. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure about Justin Patrick, but hate to see it. But it'll be a lesson for everybody to. Hey, and I mean, good on them for for stepping up and you know taking it on the chin. That's what happens. You know, you mess up, you got to own your mistakes. That's that's it. That's how it should be. Yeah. Do we know if anyone fell victim to the no AOY points for check in check out? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if anybody did. Well, I know sure I got the up. message late, <laughs> late Sunday to make sure and check out. Yeah, uh, which didn't affect AOI at all. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, but good stuff there. And I think there's another maybe uh, DQ pending or something. Something's getting investigated over there. I don't know if you want to comment on that or not. I don't know. I don't know what uh, what what else is in store. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see what comes from Bass. If there's anything else that's uh, that's in the primer there. Yeah. Anyway, good stuff over there. I think it's good that some of these issues came to the forefront at the first event. So, you know, they can kind of put those in the, in the ledger and we know, you know, what to, to educate people on and know what to look for as the rest of the events come on. What do you think with attendance for them? You think they're going to be able to maintain that high level? You think uh, we'll I mean, I think 235 is pretty big. Uh, I hope there's not 235 <laughs> at every event. I think around 175 to 200 would be solid and great. Uh, you know, you you get into overcrowding issues, parking issues, like the, the higher the numbers go. I, I want to see a good, sustainable number that's good for the anglers and good for the organization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about the event with the champ, Greg. We'll let's get him in here in a second. But first, let's talk about our sponsors. Of course, the whole show is presented by Dugout Bait and Tackle. I know a lot of people are sharing picks from Dugout, different rigging picks and picking up gear from there. So. You can go to Dugout if you live in the southeast or close by, or it's dugoutfishing.com. Get on there and load up. Uh, get yourself hooked up. Pro Guide Lithium. If Bass was a motor event. I know I know Greg was running running batteries to run that uh, autopilot, that old-town autopilot. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, but get you, get you some Pro Guide. KBN is the code to save 10% over there. We already talked about the Z-Man giveaway. Ryan mentioned them last show, coming on as, as a partner with the show. And then we also do Revo giveaways all the time, so Revo. Uh, we appreciate them as well. So there we go. With that said, let's get the uh, the big winner in here. Ryan. Let's do it. Let's hear from him again. Again, I feel like it was like three weeks ago, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna win this," and then <laughs> he did. So that was hey, awesome. welcome, welcome back to the show, Greg <laughs> Champ. How you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. You guys have one of the most catchy intros out of all the podcasts. I've really? Oh yeah. 
you can thank DJ. You can thank DJ for that. That's our boy out of St. Louis. Uh, He is a kayak angler and also a local St. Louis rapper. He made that for us just as a gift, and and we can't thank him enough for it. Yeah, that's good. Somehow, Facebook keeps flagging me for using copyrighted content, even though that's our own original song. I don't understand. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you kind of let us know that you were comfortable on Gunnersville when we had you on talking about how a pro was going to do kayak <laughs> fishing. Uh, <laughs> clearly, you were pretty accurate with your assumption that <laughs> that you were going to have a good time at Gunnersville. Um, let's get down to it. I mean, did was there a lot of lake breakdown? I mean, as far as map study and things that went into it, or were you pretty much like? I know this time of year, I know what I'm looking for, and this is where I'm going to go. Um, there, there wasn't much map study, no, because like you said, I, I've been there before. You know, this time of year, I feel like, you know, most of us know the general area. Well, the good thing about Gunnersville, I really think you can win anywhere on Gunnersville. You know, the population of fish in that place is really, really good, really big, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't know if you guys know. Jeff and I, I can argue with that uh, right Can't now. Can't win it in Mill Creek. <laughs> All right, let me, let, me, let me rephrase what I said. There's, there's, a, there's a giant population that lives in that lake in a lot of different areas that you can win on. Let's oh, for sure. Out. I mean, it's it's a very healthy fish population, agreed. It really is. You know, I really thought going into it, I spent one full day in the Goose Pond area. Uh, you know, it's just a real popular area. It's a really mm-hmm. good pre-spawn spawning area. There was three big tournaments prior to our event, and that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to go in there. Uh, release fish is a big deal a lot of times in tournaments. Um, but when I went in Goose Pond, now granted I'm in a kayak, I can't cover as much water, but I noticed the grass. I know the pad stems play a lot in there, but I, I, I didn't really find the grass where I normally find that. I didn't find a lot of the cover that's normally there, so it kind of like deterred me from really just keep on going the rest of the day in there, honestly. Um, I do have experience in Browns Creek. That's mm-hmm. where I, that's where I spent the tournament at. Uh, I know it's a great spawning area. One reason I hate Browns Creek is because it always turns brown every time it rains. You know, it's it's got <laughs> me in the past. In the Bass Masters Classic in 2020, I was on the fish to win that tournament more than any tournament practice of my entire career. Our day off, it blew out of the east like 30 mile an hour and completely crushed Browns Creek. Um, you know, obviously that was a, a worry after having the big storm come through on uh, what was that Friday night we had? Friday, yeah. Friday all day was tornadoes and and sixty mile an hour winds. It was insane out there. Yeah, when, I, when I drove into town, the first ramp I stopped at was in Browns Creek to just look around. Yeah, and the water was spraying over the bridge. It was slamming in there so hard. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I'm not coming here." So apparently that was a stupid idea. But you weren't yeah, I, you weren't targeting like the riprap or the bridge, you know, the big causeway that, that wasn't your approach in Browns Creek. You were kind of, uh, targeting more of the highway areas. If I'm, if I'm correct. I, yes, I, but I did practice Browns Creek bridge and I call some really big ones off live scooping. Um, but I opted not to do that because I felt like the reason why I caught most of them fish easily on the bridge area is because the wind was blowing pretty good in practice, even, you know, days prior to that storm. Mm-hmm. And typically for me, when I catch fish that are, you know, on a jerk bait or an A-rig, it's when the wind's blowing, it's that much easier. It just yeah. gets the bait started up, gets the fish fired up. I knew going into the tournament for the most part, we did not have a lot of wind. I, you can always catch them good in the morning, no matter what I feel like they're doing. But I feel like once you get past that 10 o'clock hour, with less wind, it's a lot harder to catch some kind of fish. 
Uh, a big player for me, obviously, was the full moon on the 7th. I just knew that there was another wave coming up. Um, that's, that's mainly what made me focus so much on where I focused at. Now, one thing I'm proud of myself that I did do, I, I, I have this passion for catching fish off of beds. And I, I forced myself to stay off the bank in this tournament because I feel like the, the most easy way to get burned in a tournament is by bed fishing because of mother nature, uh, maybe a cold front might push them back, the big winds, the big storms, muddy water. I just kept myself from not doing it. And I'm so glad I did. Do you think being in the kayak helped you lock in to what you wanted to do? Because you knew you couldn't make big drafts. I saw that in, in an article on bass yep. that you knew you couldn't make big moves. So did that help you lock into what you were doing and be, be more, a little more patient? 100%. It, it just, you know, day, day one, I caught probably 10 keepers, but it was not easy. So I did have another area on the main river where I had some really good bites. Um, and don't think it didn't go through my head to leave, but I, I just kept sticking it out and I would get like another good bite an hour later. And I just said to myself, man, if, if they're coming, they have to be, they have to be coming. So I just stuck it out. I'm glad I did. So what I was doing, here's the deal. This is, this is what I was doing in the tournament. So there was four little ditch ends basically that would run into a spawning pocket. You know, they're all relatively close together. I'm only talking like, you know, there may be, I don't know, 50, 60 feet wide until they neck down to the very back, which goes into zero to five feet on the outside of where it tapers out. Um, the first day of the tournament, there was this one patch of grass on this one little contour turn going into there that the majority of my fish came out of. But later in the day, when I went, when I made the round to come back to it, I threw up in there, I turned the handle and I caught like a six and a half. And then I literally got that fish, put it on the board, waited. I stood back up. I threw right back at the same exact patch. I turned the handle, and it was completely – it was stuck. And I was like – I was sitting there, and I was like – then I felt old. Like it just like it just pulled, and I was like, that's a fish. I just kept reeling, I pulled into it, got it in the boat. It was like a five-and-a-half, got that fish, waited up, stood back up again. This is like 15 minutes after because I don't know how to put these fish on the board. It's so new to me. It's just hard. So I stand back up, I throw it the exact same patch again. Dude, I turn the handle and it stopped again. I'm like, no freaking way. And I'm talking like, it's not like a normal stop. It's just like I throw it, hits the water and it's over. I turn the handle, I pull into it and the rod just double bows over and I'm like, oh my God, it just, it just comes off. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Then it was over. But they were the two fish that anchored my day one bag that more or less gave me the confidence to say, hey, man, they are definitely coming. There were some big, fat females that weren't here in practice. Because of practice, I fished it hard, and I really wanted to see what was there. And I, I, I really pushed on it hard. Like I pushed it harder than I normally would. But I, I know I needed an area because I can't move around a lot. So that was the main reason why. Ryan, you hear him say, wait them up. That was my next question, is how weird was it <laughs> measuring them instead of weighing them? <laughs> I'm how, not how good we, at putting them on the board, so I just kept them in my kayak till I yeah. got back to the ramp and measured them after they yeah, stopped right. flopping. Did you practice I, that before the tournament, or did you just kind of learn on the fly there? Zero practice. Everything about this whole entire <laughs> tournament was literally, dude. I didn't even know how to use the app properly, but thank awesome. God it's dummy proof. 
that I figured it out when I was out there. You well, think. don't say that now. You're going to offend about 90% of the population listening to this well, podcast right I now. I took a picture, I submitted it, and I was done. That's all I can do. So <laughs> if, you ask, if you even ask me right now how many inches I had, I have no idea. I just know that I had like 21 pounds day one and then 23 or 20 whatever day two. That's all I know. I don't know anything about anything else. <laughs> Did you lose any fish off the board? I So I had a discrepancy with one where my photo – I guess your photo has to show the board going past. So it was a 20, 20 and a half or 21 and a half inch fish. Uh-huh. And I, my picture stopped at 22. And then I got the notification said your, your photo was declined or whatever. So I resubmitted another one that showed more of the measuring board, but the mouth was open and hair and I lost like a quarter or half inch, whatever hmm. I lost. Okay. I don't, I don't, I hadn't, I guess so. There, what you think there wasn't enough on the on the back end? I've heard of them not accepting photos because the entire fence, like where the fish's mouth presses up against, I've heard of photos not getting accepted for that. But I, uh, I was t- <laughs> wait, I, we got it. We we got TD in here. Tail and ID okay. covered the numbers. <laughs> help me, so, help me, because I have no idea. So there, so there you go. Now, <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Steve. Always, yes. always on time. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate that one. He's um, like a Timex man. You can't break him. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but yeah, it was it was a heck of a learning experience as far as all that goes. Because, dude, I literally took like you know that was that's funny. That was the only fish I took two photos of. But every other one took like twenty photos because I had no idea. I'm like, is the mouth <laughs> mouth closed? It pushed against it. That's why it took me like ten minutes per fish to to do this because I just never done it before. But that's a good habit to get into, though, is taking multiple photos of, of every fish because you never know what you'll overlook. Your arm may be covering part of the ID or whatever. I mean, you, you have to have to get a couple couple good ones. So at least you've fallen into that habit early on in your kayak fishing dominance. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> are you, so so you going to quit bass boat fishing and just go pro <laughs> kayak, do you think? Or no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. My house costs more than thirty thousand dollars, so I can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the the. Uh, you said weight. You said you had twenty one pounds. Did you weigh them too, or did you just, just going off I'm, what Tony X said? I'm eyeballing what I what yeah eyeballing. I mean, so you know, day two, I think I had four or five, you know, maybe seventeen to seventeen or eighteen inch fish in there. You know, it's still a pretty good bag, and. I, I, so day two changed a lot. So let me back up. So day one, um, so in practice, I caught all my fish off a swim jig. That's how I caught them all in practice. And I could not get bit on a chatterbait, which I f- tried to force it. I could not get bit on a trap. It was so weird. And then the day one of the tournament, I did catch one right away on a swim jig. And then I could not get bit in the swim jig at all. So then I rotated back to the chatterbait, nothing. Then I went to the rattle trap. But here's the deal. The fish on day one, um, there's certain places that I've been around the country that I feel like, and maybe Gunnersville, obviously Gunnersville was one of these, but where I live, a lot of times when we get a, a kind of a cold trend coming in, which we had on the weekend, you know, it was cold at night down to 37. A lot of times the fish seem to go shallower, it seems like. So day one of this tournament, you know, in practice, I was catching the fish kind of on the secondary outsides, but day one, these fish went extremely shallow. And I would throw the trap up there. I would either get snagged and stuck in the grass or I'd catch a bass. That's pretty much how it was. Um, and then day two, it was total opposite. Then fish weren't up there shallow. They were on the very bottom end of them ditches where it made the turn at. So, um, you know, so day, day one and two, pretty much every fish that I weighed for the every fish that I checked in that count 
that counted came on a rhino trail, came on an actual new bait that I actually helped design about two years in the making. Uh, we took a we took a lipless bait and we actually redesigned it. Um, when you turn this bait in your hand, it's like you're throwing a big bladed chatterbait. That's how hard it thumps. What kind wow. of bait is this? Can you can you fill us in on this uh, magic? Yeah, it actually just dropped uh, maybe a few weeks ago. It's called a Nomad Design or Nomad Freshwater. It's called the Swim Stretch Max. So everybody run out and buy those apparently because because clearly they catch fish. Yeah, That's it was. Nuts, I mean, man. I've been I've been using it now for you know for quite a while because we we play with the weights a lot. You'll see the body shape is really slender, but we took the line time, we backed it up on the bait, which allowed the bait to actually turn this way a lot more, which gives it way more vibration and keeps it up higher in the water column. Nice, I like it. I like the sound. Yeah. How, I mean. How does it compare bite-wise? Like what if you had to pick your second favorite rattle trap, uh, you know, one knocker, Yozuri, like what What would you, uh, is there another bait that's similar, comparable, just as a um, reference point for people? There's nothing that's comparable as far, as far as vibration, no. Okay. But as, as far as to date, I've caught more fish on a red eye than anything ever. Where, where I live, red eye runs the game. So it's like where you come from. That's pretty much, I think, what you kind of use for a staple. Okay, I see you. I see so you. Is that her right there, Greg? So, that, so that's just the regular swim tracks. So the Dang. the max. What slide are you on? Something else? I don't know. Nomad Others. design. It should be. So you're gonna Fresh see this. So max. we just came out. We just came out with a whole line. Oh. So there's three. Actually, there we go. There's three different there. days. There. Yep. There she is. Yep. That's actually the same one I was throwing the red crawl. All right. I got you. Yep. I dig it. Look at this. Look at this. Free hype. Free hype. Yeah. For those that are listening on the audio podcast, yeah. <laughs> we're on the Nomad Design website looking at uh, the exact bait that Greg was throwing. So I don't want yeah. y'all to get really confused right now. I'm yeah, going to yeah. do a recap video this week, too. So they'll, they'll see it on there. It's all beat to hell. The thing is tore up. <laughs> it's all beat to hell because I caught 9,000 fish on it. But uh, you'll get the picture. Yeah, were you intimidated at all or were you concerned, you know, that you, you know, may, may have a little more trouble transitioning over to the kayak, especially like day one, Case and Wallace came out and smashed them up pretty good. Like, you know, did you think I, I might not have enough fish to, to catch this kid? Or were you like, you know, I've, I've, I've fished the area. I know there's some big ones here. I feel like I'm in a good spot. Honestly, you know, it, it's it's hard to predict this time of year. You know, there's been a lot of tournaments in the past. I'm like, oh, man, they're freaking coming, and they never showed up. You know, this was one where it was the opposite. I thought that just because a little bit of the coldness we had, you know, during the Saturday and Sunday nights or Friday nights and Saturday night, I really thought the fish were going to actually back off a lot more. Um, I, I did not think prior to the tournament that I was – I knew I could do good. I didn't think I was on a winning fish now. It did not. And, and you know, you're not the first, quote, pro to jump in a kayak tournament, and it's not just automatic that you're going to win. And we've had Ike and Ellie, Jordan Lee, several other pros slide over here and try to, to get it done. And I know Ike ended up winning the one up on uh, Chesapeake. Is that Cayuga? Chesapeake. 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 Um, but he took a bunch of swings before that um, trying to get one. So it's what do you think of the field and the, and the talent out there with the kayak anglers that you had to go up against? I mean, I've been doing this long enough. I don't care if you're fishing an Alabama bass trail, if you're fishing a Midwest circuit, there's hammers all the way across the board at every trail across the country. It doesn't matter if it's a John Boat trail back where I live and there's 30 guys that are fishing and 15 of them are going to catch them every time you show up. Um, 
I mean, the, the weights were incredible, obviously. And all the weights these guys were weighing in would be almost the same as what Elisa is, a, a, you know, event being a top 20. It's, it's not any different. You know, you got 235 guys on a body of water, especially in a kayak that makes you really dial in your area. I think they're going to catch them really good regardless because of that reason. Yep. And your event that you won had 200 more anglers than the event I won. So that's, <laughs> Tell that's something that. to hang your hat on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wanted yeah, to pull up. Good. I don't know if you know this about the app, Greg, but I you get. Either. I heard he you guess. He doesn't. I'll go. I'll go I, ahead I, and I answer that guesstimate. one. He definitely yeah. doesn't. <laughs> I heard you guesstimate your weight, but there's actually a weight estimator on the app. Well, let's and, see it. Let's see what and, got. and then let's you said I think it. 20 pounds day one, and it says 19.68. Okay, so close. Fairly enough. accurate guess. What'd you What'd you think you had on day two? I would say easily 22. Easily. They're it says so 20, 20.58. So that, yeah. that's, just, that's just guessing off a of link, uh, not girth. So with being yeah. pre-spawn, it was probably a little bit heavier. So. I was going to say, so the app, while it does factor in, you know, relative length versus weight ratios, it doesn't take into account pre-spawn, post-spawn, that kind of thing. So that's yeah. that's where there's a lot of variability there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, a golden rule. You know, it just shows you the numbers. Yeah, exactly. I, there was a guy, uh, he caught a 23-inch bass that was for sure a double digit. Um, Daniel Lyons up on uh, some of my favorite little pet fish. He caught a like twenty and a quarter inch fish, and he texts me afterwards, and he's like, "I think you know, I think it was a seven pounder, and it's a smallmouth." And I was like, "Ain't no damn way." Then he sent me the freaking picture of him holding it up, and I was like, "Well, shit, maybe that is, maybe it is a seven pounder." She was extra, extra thick. I mean, you know, you you never know what you're getting on the on the length measurement, so to speak. Yeah, I took a video of some of the fish that I caught, and this one is an absolute behemoth from day two. I mean, it's a it's a seven pounder all day long. Yeah, yeah, you know, just awesome. giant. Day uh, day one day day one of the event when I you know I first got my limit in the morning, I had so this is where the kayak got me this week. So when I'm in a bass boat or even in my John boat back at home, even though the John boat's small, it still has a front deck. It still has a lot of length for me to swing my body and back up into the fish. So three times this week, I had to kayak on constant, you know, just with the heading button going on number three, I had to button on. And just that little bit of speed took the ability for me to catch up to some of the fish that bit the trap. So one fish in particular, man, I threw it out there and it, it housed it and it just came right at me. And I got an eight, eight, two to eight, eight one to one reel and I'm reeling as fast as I can. I finally catch up to it. It's right in front of the kayak. It's the kayak still going forward. And I literally pull up on the side and I get the fish and I pull it straight up. As all I see is this mouth come up and go, there's a six and a half pounder just spit my trap right out. And I was like, you mother. But that was, you know, that was one of the, <laughs> I, I thought that was going to haunt me at the very end of this tournament because that was day two and I needed that fish. I felt like. Ugh. Yep. How does it feel when you set the hook and you're fighting these big fish? And I know yours has, you, you have a motor, you know, you have the ability to spot lock or whatever but these fish are pulling you to them. Like instead of in a bass boat where you have that leverage yep. point, you lose a lot of that in the kayak. Like the fish, you know, has the ability to turn your boat around, to drag you into obstacles. Like it's a, it's a much different ball game. I mean, how, how did you adjust to that mentally? So the first day of practice, I dealt with this where the fish were pulling the kayak around. So this is what I did in the tournament. And this was just total, you know, thinking out loud or doing whatever I did. I would, I would pull up to the ditch, the beginning of the ditch. I'd put the power pole down into the mud. And then I would put my trolling motor on constant, very slow forward. 
they would literally lock me to, to make every single fan cast I could possibly make. So if they bit, it would pull the hair, but not really that hard. Look at you. So smart. Little tip that's out smart. there, yeah. I know. that. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say. That's probably the first time we've ever heard that on this show, for sure, if not yeah, yeah. It worked, anywhere It worked else. really good. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get into your rig here in just a minute. But um, talk a little bit more about the tournament and the app itself. Did you leaderboard watch? Did you know you had the lead late in late on day two, or were you just submitting and fishing, submitting and fishing, and hoping for the best? Um, mostly submitting the fish. And then towards the end of the day, I did check it, and I think I was in – second or third and then then i realized how many sandbaggers you guys have in this league <laughs> so you know which isn't a problem but i you know more or less dude i i spent i feel like i spent way too much time doing the picture with cpr whatever you guys call it because i just i'm just so new to it i need to get better at that and one one more thing that actually confused me um you know when your your paper says lines out at two o'clock, obviously that means lines out. But I I took that as I need to be back at the ramp by two o'clock too. So every day I'd make that half hour trek across the ramp to the ramp, and I'd lose a half hour every day because I didn't realize that I didn't I could be any worse in the lake that I wanted to be. Hey, better safe than sorry, Greg. After what we that's saw, that's very yeah, true. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's one. I, I and there were there were some you know I feel like some changes on the cards from from where they were printed to what. It was written in as far as lines out. It's it's everybody's responsibility to either attend that captain's meeting or go back and watch it, you know, on Facebook yep. Live or whatever. That's where all of you, if there's any adjustments or changes for the weekend, that's where all that stuff's going to be found. Um, from an organization standpoint, I think, you know, just making sure everything is printed properly the first time just to try to avoid some of that, you know, confusion. I know Tourney X, I think, said like, six to four on the times but four obviously was not <laughs> lines out and some yeah. people read that and thought that was lines out so i think uh you know obviously there there's room to improve on on both sides but i think once we get this thing whittled down here uh, it's going to make it a lot more clear for for everybody involved yeah one of the, one of the anglers i can't remember his name he was from ohio i talked to him when i was in the, in the line and check in I, you know here I'm thinking that you can just use the app and you can use the app to take the photos because oh man just use your cell phone you can submit them make sure your location is on so thanks for showing me that I mean that that actually helped me out a lot this week I feel like because I took multiple photos and I did that whole process um, which seemed to help me a lot better so thanks if you're watching this there you go uh, that was gonna be one of my questions is what did you think of the the quote kayak angler community you know meeting them at the check-in meeting guys after the fact um, did you feel well, welcome deal you're part here's of us now. Here's the deal. At the Bassmaster Elite Series level, um, egos are a big thing. And, you know, I'm not one of them guys. I, I can't stand them kind of people. I deal with it 24-7 what I do. In kayak fishing, I have never felt more welcome than anything I've ever fished besides maybe a local club when I first started doing this stuff. Um, it's been great. Uh, I've had so many people. When I was building my kayak, I, I put a little YouTube video. If you guys got any comments or want to help me out or anything, there were so many people that reached out to me and just told me little tidbits, man. So I'm, I'm more than overwhelmed at how, you know, great you guys have been. Today. You're one of us now. So you got to start saying we, you're a kayak <laughs> we. angler now. We, <laughs> we, I'm, I'm weed up. Yeah. They're going to kick it. They're going to kick him out. The big boys going to kick him out now. No. Yeah. Right. Well, they can, they, I don't know what they think. I don't care if they think so. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't think much about it because uh, I mean you know you see you see these 
these guys jumping into this stuff to kind of test the waters and see, I feel like, see where it's at <laughs> competition wise. So, uh, yeah. you are not alone in that fact. And, you know, obviously this was a, a massive attendance for, yes. for the bass kayak series. It's going to continue, I think, to grow in, in popularity, but also you'll, I think you'll see more, sponsor recognition you'll see more money pumped into this you'll see bigger purses bigger payouts uh, not that you know 13 grand isn't <laughs> isn't great but obviously from what you're used to on <laughs> winning an elite series or something we're a long way from that but you look at the cost involved and and the travel and and you know uh, these multitude of other factors but i think it's definitely on the upswing and i really think that bass name and and the reach that they have has the ability to kind of bridge the gap between the two. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bassmaster has it owns the platform of bass fishing. It's not going to change. Bassmaster is, I mean, it's in my opinion, it's it's the place. You know, the, the grass ain't always green on the other side. You know, and Bassmaster over the years has proven who they are. They're just a solid platform, and it's never going to change. Anything they're attached to will grow that is all there is to it so um yeah i mean i i, I believe bassmaster that's all i've ever watched as a kid and that's where i'm gonna stay my entire career no matter what happens do you have a bass logo tattoo anywhere i do not okay do not. all right well we'll work on that we'll work on that yeah, you know, maybe, a K, maybe a kbn tattoo if you come back a third time you have to get a kbn <laughs> tattoo we're gonna put right? that out there yeah you know, bass kind of limped out of the gates uh, a little bit. The, the shield brought a lot of notoriety. I mean, the logo. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody wanted them to su succeed. Yep. But kayak fishing was new to them. But I think, number one, with the new new leadership, Steve-O, he's in the comments. I, I know he does probably don't want me mentioning his name here. But Steve-O <laughs> bringing that street cred and blowing this thing up right away. And then having someone like yourself jump in and get this win and take it seriously like you did rigging out a boat, not just taking some loaner boat, uh, I think brings even more credibility to what we're trying to do here with the, with the kayak side of bass. Don't you think? Uh, 100% for sure. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, like I said, I, you know, I even said in the last podcast we did, I, I think, I think you're going to see a lot more guys hopping into this and I'm, and let me just put it this way. The main reason why, you know, besides fishing and having fun, uh, at the least series level, there's it's fun, but it's it's different kind of fun. This this tournament was super fun to me. Uh, the whole concept, when I put the thing in the water on Wednesday and hopped into it, I literally like giggled because I was having fun driving around. Um, but you know, the other side of this is too, and, and I'm sure there's already guys in the kayak scene that are obviously doing this. You guys have a podcast, you have sponsorship, you're doing a lot of stuff that's good. But this side of kayak fishing at the at the you know tour level, I don't know what you guys want to call it. But there's a whole other avenue of opening up as far as getting sponsorship and, and working forward. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're doing this serious, this is going to be a business. And if you can run your brand and yourself properly, you can make some extra money here. And that's the whole point and the whole premise of why I'm doing this. I want to open up a whole other side and make some more money. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what it is at the end of the day. And, so. and I think there's a big opportunity crossover-wise because there's a lot of kayak anglers and, and we talked about this on the previous podcast, they don't know anything about <laughs> professional bass fishing. Like if you turn on the Bassmaster Elites, 
you know, they may know three or four names that, that are on the elite trail right now, you know, just from the past 20 years of bass fishing, but there's always a new crop of anglers coming up. You know, that's, that's a cycle that, that continues to renew itself. I think there's, there's a big uh, opportunity for brand building uh, from, from the elite or the pro angler side onto the kayak side, you know, just that extra reach while it's not a huge market share right now, it is the fastest growing sector of the market. And you see it at, at all of the events and conferences and trade shows. I mean, it's, it's, it's out there now. And I don't think you can put that back in the bottle. You know, once, once the lid's off, I think it's just going to spread. And, and you're a great example of that. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys 100%. 100%. We got folks in the comments asking for your YouTube channel. I just tagged it up in there over on YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe to Greg's channel. I, I just clicked over there to get the the actual handle, and that Old Town Sportsman kayak setup is right there. The first video I saw. So let's talk about your rig. And, and before we talk about it, I, I reminded uh, or told Greg about this, Ryan. Why does Old Town keep winning all these blue trophies? I think like oh over half God. of them. I think because they sponsored it. I'm pretty sure it's no. rigged, but I'm not going to point like that out. Like over half the blue trophies around <laughs> Old Town users are taking home these blue trophies. It's very strange. But They're uh, afraid to fish Hobies? I don't know. What hey, is it? Hey, hey, hey. It's all the hey, same people. It's hey. all the same people. <laughs> I mean, you know, as a, as, a, as a guy coming out of a boat, the less effort I can do is better for me. So just pushing the button on the trolling motor works great. Yeah, yeah. I would say that probably 90%, eh, I, that's a lot, 75% of people in that tournament had a motor on their boat. <laughs> Everybody wants to be lazy. It's not. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Yeah. We don't want to get out there and be like, yeah, I can pedal or paddle 78 miles. Like, no, everybody wants to get out there and, <laughs> and motor around. That's. Yeah. I think that's why there's 235 people in this tournament. Yeah. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some pictures up of you and your rig for someone that hasn't done it much. I mean, you looked ultra comfortable standing there fishing. Mm -hmm. And if you can see it on the screen there, you did a custom rig on the back with that carpeted deck and horizontal, you know, rear facing rod holders. Mm -hmm. you know, there's like a battery box inside there. If I saw the, the other pictures, right. Tell us a little yeah. bit about how you rigged that and how you came up with your, your deal there. Yeah. So I've spent uh, every, so as a, as a kid, when I, when I first started getting into bass fishing, um, you know, let's fast forward to like when I was probably 20 or yeah, probably 19 to 20. You know how the pros would get a new boat every year. So my thing was, you know, back then when I used to I work at the construction every year, man, I used to sell my rig and buy a brand new rig, but I'd rig it every year and build it myself. Uh, I did construction for all that year. So I was really handy with wood and tools and blah, blah, all that good stuff. So coming to the kayak, you know, I already had an idea how I want to rig it, how I want to do it. Um, so I built pretty much everything you see there. I built the rod holders. I built the, the back deck with the, with the storage thing. I mean, it all worked out great this week. I thought that was a carpeted subwoofer box being from Jersey, but <laughs> right? apparently it was not. Well that's played. Coming, that's coming next. <laughs> well played, my friend. If you pull up with like some flashing strobe lights and a subwoofer, I think you probably deserve to win all the rest of these. I'll make sure I install that next. <laughs> yeah. Jeff is reading. I see. I I'm see trying to find eyes. the photos. Is, of, I was trying to find the photos of that uh, carpeted box, but I couldn't find it uh, from when you first put it together. But that that's that was a slick setup. But it makes sense now that you were in construction and are handy like that because yep. if it doesn't come out of a box where I can just like screw it onto the boat, I I can't do it. But yeah, how much tackle did you have in your boat for this tournament? Is a, a question I have of my own. 
so I had three Flambo 3700 deep boxes in there and then two Ziploc bags full of random baits. Um, more than enough tackle. That's the thing, you know, like at this time of year, same deal. You know, there's there's only a handful of the stuff that you're going to typically win on. You know what I'm saying? As far as like, you know what chatterbait's going to play. You know what trap's going to play. So selecting the hard baits was simple. Um, and I just threw random plastics in there. Obviously, Zaykos for the um, chatterbait. Who doesn't carry Sankos? I mean, you know, I tried to force that bite too. It just never happened. So minimal tackle. The only thing I added every day was one extra rod. That was it. Gotcha. How many rods yep. did you carry? I saw you had a – what kind of rod holder setup was that that you had there? It's a one I made myself. That's what I thought. I was like, I haven't. I don't think I've seen that before. Okay. Yep. All right. Wow. Yep. And how many rods did you have on that setup? First day I brought five. Second day I had seven. And that's I only used hard. one the entire tournament. So. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's how that goes. One, one that one that works. <laughs> You know, I mean, you bring 16, brought one. Yeah. That was it. That was Did it. you lose yeah. anything? Because that's kind of the thing to become a real kayak angler is you lose something valuable. <laughs> Not yet. All right. But I know it's coming. Yeah. It's Did coming. you see the video of, we tried to get Joe McElroy on here tonight, but he is not feeling well after his adventure on Gunnersville. Did you see the video of Joe McElroy, the angler that, I guess when the storms blew in, like the tornadoes came through Friday, he was fishing near a culvert and got blown back into the culvert over the concrete wall and was trapped underneath oh the God. culvert for like 45 minutes with his kayak just beating the shit out of him, waiting on swift water rescue. Holy crap. No, I didn't see that. So you have to lose expensive things to kayak fishes. Yeah, I've, I've got that queued up for when Joe comes on here after he gets over his GRD. Yeah, we're definitely going to bring him on. We are glad Joe is is still here with us. Like, I mean, honestly, that is a uh, – the yeah. water was cool. It was very windy. That's a long time to be in, you know, 55-degree water. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah, be careful out there. Keep, keep an eye on the weather. Keep an eye on the conditions for sure. Joe's one of the best dudes on out there on the on our trail. But I swear he only finds himself into something. Susky, man. Like, I, I, I was, I just talked to him. We were up on the Susky, and there was a storm blowing in. And, like, you can see it blowing in. I was like, Joe, I'm heading back to the ramp, man. Like, come on. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I get back to the ramp. His wife is, is waiting there at the ramp. And she's like, where's Joe? And I was like, he said he was coming. Joe flips and loses, like, seven Luma Shimano, I mean, Shimano combos at the bottom of the river. He sends me a picture uh, I think it was like this with his PFD blown around his neck. He flipped out there on the Susky too in the middle of a storm. And I'm like, man, wow. like this guy is, uh, you know, he's ready for it at all times. Yeah. To, to end his day, Ryan, I think I told you he dumped an entire cup of hot black coffee on his leg at the fishing oh, fellowship afterwards me, too. So. He had quite a day. Poor Joe. Let's Come learn. on, man. Come on, man. He's tough. He can take it. Uh, we got some questions, Greg. Let's see. Uh, oh, this is more of a comment than a question. Levi said, did you get the hookup on Keo, that magic sugar cube bait from the uh, lead series that uh, I can't pronounce his name, but that little white square bait? with the hairs hanging out of it. Did you see that bait? Oh, I, I saw that picture. Yeah. That was a wild yeah. looking thing. Oh, I don't know what that's I've been about. Seeing, I've been seeing them forever. Uh, okay. You know, as far as like Instagram for some of the guys in Japan that I follow and stuff, they've been out for a long time, but no, I, I don't, I don't own any ice cubes now. What's that uh, supposed to intimidate? Um, in, intimidate? Intimidate? <laughs> and intimidates the fish. Either one. I mean, it intimidates me just looking at a sugar cube with hair on it. It looks like a hairball. I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what it's supposed to mimic. I have no idea. 
Fish are dumb. Uh, fish are dumb. From, we're, we're dumber, but fish are dumb. Yes, that's right. Uh, from YouTube, Casual Bass Guy. Greg, did you feel like there was one thing you were missing after the weekend? Any accessories, anything like that? Well, I will tell you this. Uh, the first day of practice, I wore a traditional PFD, you know, a kayak-style PFD, and it wasn't happening. And the reason why is because um, when I would reel, the, the butt of the rod was, you know, way out to the side of the PFD, and I have to feel my bait when I'm railing it. It has to be against my body. You know, I've got to be in full contact, and that just wasn't happening for me. The, I would, as, yeah. Don't don't buy in too much of that traditional kayak. <laughs> most most everybody wears inflatables. Ain't nobody trying yeah. to run around out there in that big old jacket on. Yeah, dude. I, I literally am as green as you can possibly be with this stuff. So, um, I don't think I was missing anything. I think I I might have to maybe do a couple little adjustments on the kayak with some of the setup. Um, with my graph setup, I do have them on the. I guess you guys call it an H rail. Is that what that's called, or a rail rail system where you tie it down? Jeff, really tell them what Old Town calls them. Slide tracks. You can put some different accessories and rails in there. Yeah, okay, yeah. so there's slide tracks. So either I got to back the slide tracks up more towards me, or redrill my bracket that I made and get it more towards me so the graphs are a hair closer. The 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 cockpit in that 136 is huge, yeah. you know, and I got my graphs pretty far forward. Standing up, they're not too bad, but they can still slide back to me a hair. Um, I do think I need to add some maybe additional. So on my little rod setup that I have, I have straps in the very beginning where I turn around and grab the rods. I think I need to make the little U shapes on the back a little bit deeper so the rods, when I pulled out the, I pulled out the very first day, I hit a bump and the rods went kind of off to the side of the kayak. Um, the biggest learning curve I had this week, honestly, was putting the putting the kayak back on the trailer. That was the hardest part for me. You know, I didn't really? realize that because yeah, I always feel like with a bass, but you know, you just back it all the way in, it comes off. With oh, a kayak, yeah, yeah. it's totally different. I feel like you got to only put it in so far, then kind of pull it up the rails, then lock yep. it in. That's you know what I'm saying? I didn't know that until I tried. You, it, you didn't sit well, on the especially ramp. Especially in the in the wind and rain too. That'll yeah. that'll teach you that lesson in a hurry because it don't take <laughs> much of a wave to just bounce the whole kayak off of it. I bet. Yeah. You didn't sit on the ramp and like put your whole kayak together, did you? Like some of these these no these folks. The only, did. You already the knew the better only, than that. After day one, when I hit that bump back in, my rods fell off. The only thing I did different was carry the rods from my truck to the kayak and put them in there. That's the only thing I did different. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Smart. You, I mean, I feel like you are way ahead of the curve on this one. This is not as funny as I thought it was going to be. It was a natural fit. <laughs> Greg's one of us. I think the John Boat there'd thing. there'd be a lot more mistakes involved with this, with this yeah, first a, kayak to it. I'm a full-out John Boat junkie man, hey. so like, it's not, not too far off. Yeah, especially yeah. nowadays with, you know, the changes in our, our kayaks. Well, not so much true. kayaks. are almost plastic John Boats. But, What's your uh, electronic setup? There's a lot of controversy around that. There's a lot of of talk and <laughs> and and hate on uh do you have two 12 inch screens on that thing i do is that yeah. like not, not good <laughs> no, it's no awesome. i mean apparently it is because you just whipped our ass so uh, i'm gonna go get three 14 inch screens and put on my did, did the scope play that. did the scope play for you using the 12s i use it in practice and i call like i said i call some really good ones off brown creek bridge um but i ended up not using them now okay see there you go didn't didn't play in the tournament itself um you never know. On the Elite Series, obviously, those first two events, live scope was everything. So Comfort level-wise, are, are you more of an offshore guy or are you more of a shallow guy? Well, traditionally, as growing up, I was a beat-the-bank and just crush them, you know, shallow. But uh, doing this for a living, I really can tell you that my offshore game is really strong. Um, but obviously, in this tournament, because of what happened, that's why I decided to do what I did. Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, I feel like seasonally that plays, but if you had to – had to pick you know 
deeper shallow. You think there's there's more opportunity offshore in the majority of tournaments. Non, you know, le- I shouldn't say non-pressured anymore, but less pressured fish. Or, I mean, wh- what are your thoughts on that? I think everything's 50-50 nowadays because there's still a lot of old school guys that still fish um, that did not grow up technology and never really took it over. And then you have the new generation that's pretty much offshore live scoping. And then you have the guys in the middle that do both. So I think yeah. it's split right down the center, honestly, nowadays. I don't think one's more dominant than the other. I mean, well, let me back that up. There is one, you know, if the fish are on the bank, then that's dominant. But if the fish are in normal, you know, situations that they always are for different times of the year than offshore, can kind of really rule because one thing I tell you about forward-facing sonar, and I've been using it a lot, is fish do a lot of things that we don't know that they do, yeah. you know, as far as the way they act and the way they set up. So. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting to watch the live scope, and that's probably one of my biggest flaws is when I do turn it on. <laughs> I'm just like watching watching these fish do crazy shit going over the top of each other, and <laughs> I, I can't uh, really understand uh, the movements of, of the fish when I get caught up in watching that soap opera that's happening underneath me instead of just continuing to cast out in front of me yeah i've heard that a lot about people as much as anything learning fish behavior from the live scope as much as catching fish there's there's certain days where like you'll point the scope at them and they literally go to the surface they'll all do the same thing and there's certain days they'll all run to the bottom or they'll just run out of the scope completely and then there's days where like you can just see their feeding habits turn on or turn off you know it's it's pretty wild like you'll get an hour where they all just chew instantly and then you'll get different things where you gotta adjust your rate of fall makes it a different a lot of times on your presentation. How do you feel like the scope affects the fish themselves? Like if you're on a school that's pretty much locked in on a spot, do you think having the scope on can turn on or off a bite? Well, let's put it this way. A lot of fish and gunners will ran instantly out of it. Like yeah. they felt it plenty of times. I don't know what they feel. I, I kind of wanted to hop in the water last year and have somebody pointed at me in the water and see if I felt anything. And I never got the opportunity to do it. Just, you know, kind of lost time. But um, I think it's depends. So where I live, nobody does it and I do it. And the fish, the fish do feel it. Like I said, some days they'll run to the top, some days to the bottom. But for the most part, I think they're still not adapted to it where I live. But certain bodies, what are gunners on pick with, them fish feel it, man. They know what's going on. I think pressure is definitely a factor on that. Then, you know, they know if I feel this, then a bait's flying at me. Like, (laughs) you know, like like something has happened to them in their past life. But I I mean, that's all like lateral line, like picking up the, you know, electronic signal, I would assume is, is what it is. It's cueing them in on that. That's probably why small ones are so easy to catch on because they don't feel it. Boy, don't even talk about that. (laughs) Uh, we got a few more questions and comments for you, Greg. Uh, on YouTube, Casual Bass Guy says he wished you would have done a video on how to do that carpeted box. How hard was that? Did you was that part of your build video over there on YouTube? No, I never put a video. I kind of slack on YouTube. I'm gonna try to pick my game up a little bit, but it was actually a really hard build because the angles. So that thing's built like a coffin. So the back of the old town is actually slanted also. So I built it slanted. So I did kind of two angles: a slanted angle and a bevel, and then you know the other angle to get it perfect so it was actually really hard to build wow yeah yep. did you call in brian the carpenter for any help at all on this i did not but my so my brother he's a fine furniture maker he has a full-blown 
shop where he's got every single tool possible and all the material to do anything. So, so your stuff is real pro. This isn't oh, yeah. DIY kayak style. Like we got jagged edges, ain't shit lined up. Your, yours is actually official. That's great. Yep. You should uh, license that to the catch people to make an aluminum one. <laughs> you stop. You stop. By the way, thanks, Duke Westcamp. I've been talking to him all day back and forth about the uh, Rowan's Heroes uh, trophy that we're sending out to Jason Starley, Jeff. So, yes. <laughs> so continue on with the aluminum box jokes. No, 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 no. I, I love what those guys are doing. I think that, you know, obviously the catchboard changed the game, but I think the trophies and all the other stuff they're making is, is unbelievable. I mean, what do you think about your trophy, Greg, since you got the biggest and baddest one out of that whole bunch? I think it's super duper nice. It's really cool. It's sexy. Um, I haven't sexy. looked at it very yeah, I haven't looked at it that much because I literally got back yesterday. My wife and kid are there. We hung out, went to dinner, did whatever. Got up this morning and I packed everything up. So I really haven't had time to really look at it hardcore, I guess you would say. But it's sitting outside in the truck right now. <laughs> are you going to put it in your trophy case or like in the closet? Like where does it rank? <laughs> in the basement. No, I'm just kidding. In it's the basement. Right <laughs> yes. No, it's, 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 definitely, it's definitely a cool trip. Uh, yeah. Very blessed to have it. And where What's does that rank? Big... Oh, sorry, sorry go ahead, Jeff. I was nope. gonna say, where does that rank for you? I asked, I asked Ike the same thing when he came on. I know you've won a lot of bass boat tournaments and other tournaments like that. Winning something different out of the box like this, where does that rank for you? On, Super on high. I, that's okay. the first blue trophy I've ever won, so that's you know pretty pretty good for me. I like it. Awesome. What's your next uh, bass boat event? Um, we have here Santier or Murray. I'm not even. I can't even remember. I think it's Murray's next. That's it. That's a good one, though. Either, either one of those is, uh, is a pretty right good there. stop. Yeah. Yep. Heck yeah. And your next kayak stop, are you going to fish Hartwell? Already registered. Already registered. Hey, yep. all right. Okay. Yep. Are That's you going to win that one. one, too? I am going to try as hard as I can, yes. <laughs> are you, are you going to chase AOI now that you've got the, the W under your belt? Yeah, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing four out of the five tournaments. Okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. This isn't a flash in the he's, pan, folks. He said, I'm doing four, so I'm going to win four. Of course, I'm chasing. <laughs> and I'm chasing. Right. Just going to stop by and pick it up at the post office. Uh, we talked about this before we went live about, did you get any calls from some of your bass boat colleagues, things like that? RJ Hoover asked, who do you think the next elite angler to jump in might be? Brandon Polinick's an old town guy. Talk him into it. Yeah, right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jacob Baraznik. He called me because how much you win? I told him he goes, all right, bye. <laughs> so he, he wants the money. Oh, I, I I'd take I, that. That'd be cool. Yeah, I don't I don't know who would be next. Uh, I guess like you said, Paul would be a good one. He's already got like experience in a kayak. Obviously, old town guy. Uh, he can fish obviously as better, best if not better than anybody. Um, but no, I I do think there's a whole different uh, you know mental game as far as fishing out of a kayak it's just it's just not as easy as fishing in a bass boat your options are so less you know your ability to to move maneuver do whatever it's just not there you know i I think it just changes so much of of the strategy that you guys are used to you know you know where you're looking at 10 spots on an entire body of water if you move a lot in a kayak I mean, load up and ramp hop, you're looking at four spots on a body of water. Like, you know, like, you know, you figure 20 minutes of, of loading and unloading back and forth uh, per ramp just, just to get launched and relaunched. Like, you're really cutting into your, your fishing time. So, I definitely think that's one of the big things. I would love to see 
selfishly G-Man to jump in a couple kayak tournaments, <laughs> mostly because he's hilarious. I can't imagine the shit that would happen in a day <laughs> and, and hear his recount of the stories, but I would love to see him get into it for sure. You think he'd bring his leaf blower over, Ryan? Try that little leaf blower? No, nah, we don't. I, I, don't, I, don't talk, I don't talk to the man himself. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get him set up on the, on the right side of the law here, here <laughs> soon. Hey, you know, going opposite of, you know, you talk about how different the kayak uh, tournament was. Do you think there's a chance that doing these could help you on the other side, be more patient in your bass boat? 100%. I saw that already this week, honestly, because if I had a bass boat day one, it was so slow. I would have bounced out of that spot instantly. And now, <laughs> you know, seriously, I mean, I it, it, uh, yeah, it made a big difference. You know, it kind of, here's the deal. And, and this is for grass fishing tournaments. I always tell everybody this. If you lock yourself in the grass, don't ever leave. Your chances of winning are usually way higher if you jump around compared to locking yourself in one area because the population lives there. It just doesn't bite all the time. You know, but if you're in the area when that little window happens, a lot of times when I've won on Upper Bay, it's because I locked myself in an area in the grass. And no matter what happened, I never left. But I would win the tournaments and usually have the opportunity to catch a really, really big one. So if you were in a bass boat, when that happened, would you have bounced out somewhere else and then came back to see if it had turned on at that point? Or what would have been your strategy if you could have left quickly? Probably. I had one main river area that I went to that I had a couple of really good bites, like I said. Um, I would have ran there, obviously, tested the waters out, and I probably would have ended up coming back depending on how I did or you know didn't do there. That's fair. I like it. Yep. It's cool. Kayak fishing can pay dividends for you down the road. See, that. Now you, you've just captured all these new fans for you on the Elite Series side because now, you, now you're a kayak angler too. You got the KB Nation behind you over on the Elite Series, so you'll be highly sought after maybe in the fantasy fishing over there. We'll see. People are going to root for you. Now. That's right. So that's so that's crazy, you know? Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> They're all going to be out there waving the, the GDP flags, and, and you, you had no idea. You had no idea what you're missing out on. Yeah, I doubt that one, but <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't know. We got some fools in here, buddy. They'll, they'll be out there with it painted on their chest. Get ready. It's yeah, we got right. we got GDP, BDH. We got all the initials now, Ryan. I like it. That's right. Uh, let's see. Who? Uh, somebody said who were the guys at the ramp telling long wrong? <laughs> Nobody was doing that. Nobody was telling you the wrong lines out time to other anglers. You had to, all you had to do was watch the captain's meeting. So right. I mean, that's that's a fact. I, I think everybody at that ramp josh thought that the that was the the lines out time um there there were i guess some people may have checked before saw before or whatever there was a correction on the cards that instead of 230 said two and they moved the launch time up as well all the information was on the back of your identifier that if you were fishing the tournament you had it in your hand the entire day so there wasn't any like mystery switcheroo kind of anything so uh, you know if somebody said the wrong time that's that's one thing but the information was was written on the yeah, card it's, it's one of those things ryan where sharing info at the ramp backfired this time <laughs> well <laughs> jeff damn it listen i am not getting sued for anything tonight no so i'm just saying having a friendly sucker. a friendly conversation no for real launch. i mean you as an angler and and greg i'm sure you know this in in all the tournaments you fish it's on you to know what you're doing, <laughs> what time you blast off, what time you come back, what boat number you are. That's on you. That's not on anyone else. Like, 
that's your responsibility as the participant in that event. So that applies across the board. Yep. Unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. And you hated to see it, you know, like I said, Christine, Cody were having good tournaments. I don't know what Justin Patrick was doing, but you hate to see that kind of stuff happen to folks that are number one, good anglers, also friends of ours. So that sucks, but it won't happen again. I'm sure. Uh, good stuff. Any more questions out there for Greg? Cause we've, we've had him over an hour. I know he's tired. He's on the road in uh, West Virginia, Virginia. Where are you at Greg? Uh, Virginia front Royal. I got about another four hours left of driving. All right. Yeah, we go. don't want to keep him too long. Uh, Ryan, you got anything else for, for Greg? Tonight? I don't man. Congratulations. Obviously great job. Way to make a splash on the kayak scene. Um, you know, we've, again, we've seen some, some pro guys jump in here and it was, it was, a question mark on on where you were gonna land and when i saw you in first place on day one there were a lot of folks saying like uh-oh pros came in here and he's about to clap the kayak guys and i was like man surely not there's <laughs> there's no way there's a couple guys that are really on them and then day two you just ran away with it and i was like "Ooh, <laughs> okay <laughs> all right he did it hats off good job yeah. good job yeah you know what's crazy man i used to I, I could never catch a fish on a rattle trap to save my butt when I was younger. I had all these guys in my local club that were just horsing them all around me. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? It's called a dummy bait because I always overthunk it. But now, you know, I have a place at home called Davis Mill. It's probably one of the best fisheries in South Jersey, and it is a rattle trap mecca. And I, I literally would spend every day for a month there in the fall for the last 10 years. And I've probably caught every fish in that place 10 times. But it's where I pretty much dialed in a rattle trap. I do some things that are different. Obviously, the bait that I threw is we probably never really had. But there's other things that I do do that make differences. And I think if it's a trap tournament, I'm going to probably outfish most of the guys. What reason. does the best lake in South Jersey compare to in real parts of the country? <laughs> there, there, there's, there's not a comparison. I, I, I mean, I've caught plenty of 25 pound bags in this place. Damn. It's only five. It's so it's only... it's stacked though. I mean, it's got some good fish in it. Oh my god, there's giants in there. It, Dang, so like, okay, but like I said, I, I fish here. I, there's been multiple years where I fish for a whole month and I don't miss a day. So I'm there every day. If they bite, they don't bite. Um, so I'm, I get a lot of opportunities to catch the bigger fish because I pressure them so hard. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. But the place is only probably 50 acres. I mean, it's not big. I got it. I mean, that's that's solid. That's a, that's a great – I think everybody has their training ground, so to speak. You know, I've got a, a, a good little hole on the north end of Gunnersville that I probably spend, I don't know, 60 days of the spring on just trying to waylay giant smallmouth. That's kind of, kind of my deal. And that's, you know – I try to take what I learn about the smallmouth and how they react and how they position and things and apply it up and down the Tennessee river chain. And a lot of times you, you can do that. It is, it is more so of a copy and paste thing. Once you learn where they position yep. and, and what they want to eat and whatnot. So uh, sure. I definitely think practice makes perfect. So if anybody listening, there's a technique you're weak at, try to find you a local area and and really put the time in to to modify that until you get a higher success rate than what you're used to yeah i, I tell everybody that if you want to learn how a fish actually acts obviously for a fish center but start fishing in the fall into the winter because you can see the movements a lot more at that time of the year because of the weather changes i know where you guys live down south doesn't affect them as much i feel like with too much of the movement it does but where i live we have a lot of seasons so i see a lot of the movement can follow the fish a lot Awesome advice. Awesome yep. advice, man. Yep, um, for sure. 
Greg, well done, man. Congrats. Uh, good luck on the rest of the year with the Elite Series and on the kayak trail, man. Like I said, you, you gained guys. a bunch of new fans tonight. We're going to do a Z-Man giveaway here in a second. You're welcome to stick around for that, Greg, or you can slide on out of here if you want to get I'm some gonna, If I'm you need any Z-Man out. stuff, go ahead and hashtag yeah, yeah. Z-Man Greg. We'll enter you. Uh, I, I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> I, got the, I got the wife and the baby sitting now. So. All right, man. Take care, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh-huh. There we go, guys. Stand-up guy. I like the guy. I liked his realness on our initial interview. I like him also still after he kicked the shit out of us on Gunnersville. So thank yeah. you for that, Greg. There you go. What a great show that was, man. And and I think, like I said, he's a real one. You can tell he, he loved for sure. kayak fishing. He's taking it serious. So, Dude, we'll when, when, Brian, when Brian the Carpenter and, and Charles were, were hyping him up as a Jersey boy, I, I assumed he must be. Uh, you know, you kind of get cut from the same cloth when you're when you're in with that crew. So I, I assumed he was going to be solid and entertaining. Yeah. All right. So we got uh, the Z-Man giveaway. First night of doing that. If you guys saw, hashtag Z-Man in the comments for a chance to win. Let's hope I'm telling the truth. You know. Yeah. Let's see if we let's see if we really have a Z-Man prize pack, or if I just made all this up. Uh, Ryan will send you the flag he uses on the back of his kayak. The half pack of Senkos. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. There's three big TRDs left in that. You can have them. Game worn. Game worn. That's right. They're June bug because I don't throw them. So we've got nearly 150 people watching live tonight. There's only 63 entries, so we're gonna be a few more mm-hmm. seconds here to put hashtag Z-Man in the comments to get your chance to win. Johnny Maddox, you have a chance. You you can get to Z-Man even though you've won. Enough sunglasses to like feed your family. Can we just take Johnny out of out of any of the contests? I think he's possible? hacked the algorithm. That's what I think's happened to Johnny. I feel uh, like he's paying you because I know it ain't me. I don't know. Uh, give us take a second to just say thanks to the audio listeners once again. I tried to do that last time as well. If you guys are catching this on the audio podcast later, appreciate you guys over there. I wish you could be part of the live giveaway, but leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Maybe we can figure out something to get you. Get you some stickers. We, we try to keep y'all filled in, too, on the dead time when we're like looking at stuff on the internet and whatnot, too. So We're showing pictures that. and whatnot. Did you see the comment <laughs> earlier from Josh Hawks uh, about the Revos? Said he got his Revos. I'm more than impressed. Ah, see? We ain't lied to you yet. I mean, we have, but not about sponsor products. <laughs> that's right. All right, that's it. We've given it enough time. Let's do the giveaway, right? Dun-dun-dun. There it goes. Everybody always gets mad when they don't see their name. Dirty Phil, who was that? Jason Yang. Oh, Chris, boy. YouTube's on a on a heater. YouTube's winning every time. I think I think YouTube has the advantage right now for sure. Yeah. Chris Cabral, Cabral, Cabral. Kayak best whatever you want to at gmail.com. We'll Send me an email or find us and give us a DM on Facebook or something. We'll hook you yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can DM me, 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 and I'll send you straight through to Joey. There you go. There you go, Chris. Congrats, and thank you, everybody, for watching tonight. What a show, Ryan. That was awesome. It was. It was good. I think, uh, I I, I hate to say this, I think we'll probably see (laughs) GDP back on here a couple more times uh, in the next year or so. He seems to, uh, obviously, experience plays a huge role in fishing tournaments around the country. Um, but I think when you have made a career out of, of traveling around and seeing these different lakes at different times of the year, that's a massive advantage. And we see it on our side too, with kayak anglers that travel all over, you know, they have, they have experience and knowledge going into these things. And I think he definitely, uh, showed us what that means in this event for sure. 
Yeah, he shared some of his knowledge with us. It just tells us how we need to step up our games. If we're going to compete. And I mean, he was very it. specific on here. I was, this is what I was doing. Like he, you know, there weren't any punches really pulled on, on the report there either. So hats off for that. Yep. All right. I guess we'll see everybody at Caddo. All right. Let's do it. Caddo, uh, Lance McWhorter said there's a, uh, worthwhile after hours venue. <laughs> and uncertain uh we will post that once we get down there we'll probably try to do that either thursday night or or friday night for a limited time we don't want to hurt anyone's tournament performance but uh can't wait to see y'all on the road there we go all right everybody we gone